<laughs> yeah, baby. I want to sing like you, and I want to play guitar like Jim. <laughs> well, we are in week two of November's theme, Lead with Mindfulness. And last week, we discussed minding our business, right? You remember that? <laughs> Minding our business, being mindful leaders, really, in our own lives. And so today we address alive, awake, and aware. Now, Ernest Holmes in Magic of the Mind said this. He said, the great and only awakening that can ever come to man is when he becomes aware of the fact that that which enables him to think, to be conscious, to be creative is the mind of God active within him. So that's what we're talking about. We are an individualized expression of God, right? So alive, awake, and aware. Well, how do we know we're alive? How do we know we're alive? Well, Rene Descartes said, I think, therefore I am, right? Okay, but scientifically, isn't there a little more to it than that? I think so. In order to be classified as living, an organism has to demonstrate several abilities, doesn't it? Right? Cellular organization. It's one of the things. If even single-celled organisms display an organization, right, at, at, a, at a, a molecular level. Reproduction. Cells divide. Cells multiply, organisms reproduce. A living thing has to have a metabolism, which means respiration, nutrition, excretion, right? A system, a way of absorbing and utilizing nutrients to create uh, energy, to transform nutrients into energy, to power the organism, and then, the, then to eliminate waste. Right? A living thing has to have a metabolism. It has to demonstrate homeostasis. For example, a, a human being has to have a, 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 a normalized body temperature. Right? 98.6. Most of us, give or take a couple of points here or there. Right? You know, uh, we, have to, we have to maintain a certain pH level in order to be alive. Uh, heredit heredity. Heredity is another thing. Reproduction. Genetic material must be passed along the lines of reproduction in order to be considered alive. All right? The splitting of cells into new cells. The, uh, the replication of DNA into transfer RNA and then back to DNA again. All right? Heredity. A living thing also has to have a response to stimuli, movement, uh, sensitivity. Right? We are moving. Plants move toward the light. They turn back and forth toward the light. It's another demonstration of a living thing. Growth and development. Right? You were this big when you were born. <laughs> now you're big. Now you learn things. You grow. You develop. You become older. So do plants. So do trees. So do all living things. And adaptation through environment. Adaptation through our uh, evolution. As the generations go on, we change, we adapt, we evolve. All animals do, all things do, all plants and trees, everything evolves as the generations go on. A perfect example is the English peppered moth, right, which was absolutely snow white until the Industrial Revolution. 
And then as the, as the air became more polluted, the little peppered moth became black and white speckled. Then the air pollution got so bad that the, the peppered moth became almost black. Now it's getting to be black and white speckled again. The air quality is getting a little better. But that's environmental change. That is adaptation so that things can survive. So as we look over that list, there's a huge list of the definition of what it means to be alive. We can agree, yes, we are alive. <laughs> Yay. One down, two to go. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> okay. We are alive. Yes, indeed, we are breathing. Right? There's respiration. We're sitting upright. Okay, we're responding to our environment. We may be hungry and going, oh, God, when's hospitality? <laughs> right? When is hospitality? When is this going to be over? Okay, we might feel warm. <laughs> we might feel warm in this room. Some of us might feel warm in this room. Some of us might feel cold in this room. Right? All of these things indicate, yes, we are alive. Yes, we are alive. Okay, so how about awake? <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> I thought about that when I was writing this talk. I'm like, oh my God, I guess one of my talks can put people to sleep, but I hope it's not this one. <sighs> awake, we're awake, right? Oh, good Lord, let's assume we're all awake. Okay. Unless we are in this collective dream. Wow. Unless we're in a collective dream called vision, right? I would say we're awake. Sometimes they say that all of life is a collective dream. And as we pass through this life and drop this body, then we truly awake. It's a thought. But I'm going to stick with we're awake here now in this room. I will just think that. Okay, so we're awake. We agree we're alive. We agree we're awake. But are we aware? Are we aware? Have you ever had that experience where you're driving down the freeway and you're a million miles away? You're all in your head. Right? You're thinking about your laundry list of things you have to do or the, or the dry cleaners you have to stop on the way home or the supermarket or whatever, 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 and maybe 10 miles go by, right? All of a sudden, your exit on the freeway is there and you're like, how did I even get here? How did I even get here? I was a million miles away. That's not being aware. <laughs> that is not, I was preoccupied, right? How many times do you say that? I was preoccupied. I was on automatic pilot. Awake. Your body's doing what it needs to do by muscle memory, right? But you're not aware. You're not aware of anything. You're a million miles away, lost in thought. Whatever term you choose to, to use for that, that period of time, right? But you just like, all of a sudden, you're like, whoops, here's my exit. <laughs> alive and awake. As alive and awake people, we tend to focus on our thoughts. We have a whole narrative going, don't we? I mean, it's probably going right now. As I'm speaking, you've got a whole sort of things that are running through your head. Right now, it's like, God, how long is she going to be talking for? Okay, that's one of them. <laughs> but there might be. Gee, I wonder what they are serving today for hospitality, you know? <laughs> what, what do they have there? What kind of cake is it going to be today? Do we have cake today? Oh, yay. Okay. <laughs> Things like that. See, there is a narrative running inside of our heads from the moment we get up in the morning. Isn't there a narrative that runs in your head? The alarm rings, and what do you do? Well, some of you hit the snooze, right? <laughs> it was a choice you make. Some of us hit the snooze. Uh, we reset it. From that moment, that narrative is running through our heads. And it seems like we're all thought, doesn't it? 
It seems like we just live our lives in our heads a lot of time. Our thoughts take us all over the place. We think about the past. We think about the future. Things that we fear might happen. Those things in the past that we regretted happening or we were happy about happening. If we had it to do all over again, what we would have said to that person or what, you know, we should have done differently. We think about what we're going to wear that day. We think about what errands we need to do. We think about what's waiting for us on our desk at work. We think and think and think, right? Doesn't that narrative just keeps running through your head? And then we start experiencing emotions based on the thoughts we're thinking, don't we? We can, we can just get ourselves all up in a lather, you know? We can think things that get us upset. We can think things that get us worried. We can think things that get us anxious or afraid, things that haven't even happened, right? And, and the body responds to all of that stuff as if it's happening, but it's all in our head. We haven't even left the bed yet. Right? You haven't, even, you haven't even put your foot on the floor yet. And all this stuff is going on, right? So we're awake to the things in our head. And all of the emotions that those thoughts are, are running through our body. But you know, we're not aware. Because awareness happens in the present moment. We're not aware. We're not aware of the feeling of the sheets next to our skin. We're not aware of the sounds of the birds that we can hear through the open window. If you sleep with the window open, sleep with the window open, right? We're not aware of that, of that cool, fresh air that's coming through and how it feels on our skin. We're not in the present moment because the thought narrative has already taken over. It's already taken over. It's already up and running. Those thoughts and those strong emotions that preoccupy us, they lead us all over the place. They lead us all over the place to different places, to different time zones, to different relationships, to the, to the thoughts that if it were different, I'd be happy. If it were different, then I'd be happy, right? Thoughts about the past, thoughts about the future get us seeking for happiness outside of ourselves. If only this were different, I'd be happy. If only that had happened differently, I'd be happy. If only I had gotten that job, or if only I had left that job, I'd be happy. If only this guy didn't give me this crappy, oh, I'm sorry, advice, you know, that I took. Or, or if only that guy that gave me that great advice I should have taken. You know, I mean, all of these things run our lives. They keep running through us. And, and they keep us seeking for happiness outside of ourselves. If I had only done this, if I had only not done this. Ernest Holmes said this. He said, the awakening is a process of evolution, a little here and a little there, until the whole eye is opened. And we see that life is neither separate from God nor different from God. Life is God. And good is the only power there is or can ever be. Right? Is or can ever be. That shift, that is awareness. That's awareness. Sometimes we call it the awakening, right? It is a shift in the focus of our lives, in the focus out of our thoughts and into present moment awareness. Right? 
When we differentiate thinking from awareness, we discover we are not our thoughts. Isn't that lovely? We are not our thoughts. Or as Holmes said, our awareness of it, God, our awareness of it and its awareness of us are one in the same. Man's consciousness of himself is God's consciousness of man. As man's consciousness expands, he becomes more and more God-conscious. We become the observer of our own thoughts, don't we? Do you ever do that? You know when you're in your higher self. You know it. You know, even in your highest moments or even in your most unskilled moments, you know when you are the observer of your own thoughts, when you are in your higher self and, you, and you're like losing your mind over some, you know, job-related thing. And you just look at yourself and you're like, well, aren't I cute when I get all crazy like that, <laughs> you know? Just look at me spinning out of control. I'm just so adorable when I do that, <laughs> right? And you look upon yourself. You are the observer of your own thought, and you're thinking, I'm losing it here. And not changing it yet, you know? But to be the observer of your own thoughts, it's like, oh, my gosh, how wonderful is that? We are the observers of our own thoughts. And from that place, you know what we know? We know that happiness is an inside job. It only comes from within. We bring the happiness. We bring the joy. We bring whatever, whatever it is within us to, to wherever we find ourselves. We have to bring it. We realize those qualities of God, those qualities of God, right? They're up there. Thank God. Yes, there they are. <laughs> we bring those qualities of God. They are within us. We were born with them. That's part of who we are, all of those qualities of God. Remember when we said we're an individualized expression of spirit? That's it. We come complete with all of that, right? So it is within us to demonstrate, to believe, to embody, to let flow from us into whatever situation we find ourselves. Not to think that that outside situation is going to somehow make us anything. It can't make us anything. We experience those qualities to the extent that we let them out of us. Being alive and awake and aware is to allow the higher self to do the seeing. We have to allow the higher self to do the seeing. We are always at choice. We are always at choice as to how we see things. There is a, um, a woman at Stanford, her, um, Carrie Leibowitz, she's a PhD student. She spent a couple of years ago, uh, August of 2014 to June, 2005 on a, June 2015, on a Fulbright scholarship. And she went to Tromso, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, I don't know, Tromso, Norway, northern Norway. So far north in northern Norway that from November to January, the sun never gets above the horizon. Right? Could you imagine? And she went to study the residents' overall mental health, right? Because of this seasonal affective disorder, right, that people get, that's that sadness sort of thing, that seasonal depression that people get because of the shorter days and the longer nights and all of the darkness. Well, it turns out in northern Norway, that far north, people view winter as something to be enjoyed rather than something to be endured, right? They have a really healthy view of 
the extended darkness. She says, there's a saying up there, there's no such thing as bad weather, only bad clothing. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> okay? And they have a word, kozling. I hope I'm pronouncing that right either. Kozling, which means a sense of coziness. And it's like, she says, it's like the best parts of Christmas without the stress. Right? They light fires, they light candles, they snuggle, they get under blankets, they read books. They enjoy the lengthy darkness. They enjoy the long nights, right? Leibowitz says, one of the things we do here in the States is we bond by complaining about the weather. <laughs> right? We complain about the winter. It's hard to have a positive wintertime mindset when we make small talk by being negative about the winter. Okay? And so it is a change in our attitude, something from the inside without. She said, it's easy enough to change, just stop participating in the misery Olympics. <laughs> yeah, baby, <laughs> that's what we need to do, right? Because we're always at choice, because we are always at choice. We didn't make the weather, remember last, last Week we talked about being in God's business, right? We didn't make the weather. We don't make the, the, the long winter nights or the short days. We didn't make any of that stuff. That was put into place when spirit burst the, the, the universe into being. But we are always at choice as to how we respond to it. Being alive, being awake, being aware means we notice things around us and we dwell in gratitude for whatever that is. So it's dark all day long. They found ways to enjoy that, right? When we are in gratitude, we are, we are, we're dealing with what we have and we're grateful for it. Like our senses, our thoughts, our attentions are, are all on the small thing or the large thing or whatever the thing is right in front of us and how wonderful it is. The practice of gratitude works best, well actually I think it's the only way it works, is when we're in the present moment, right? We're right there, we're enjoying, we're appreciating, we're loving, we're valuing what is right in front of us. And we are told to be grateful in all things. You notice it says in all things, it doesn't say for all things, right? Because it is a difference. Not necessarily for all things, because some things can really blindside us. But to be grateful in all things. Sometimes we find it really difficult to be grateful for those unexpected setbacks, right? Like you're sitting at a red light and somebody comes up behind you and hits you in the back, right? Hits the back of your car and it's like, how am I supposed to be grateful for something like that, right? But what's, but what's in there is our responsibility. Now, now, are you responsible for the accident? Of course not. You were sitting there at a red light, perfectly still, not doing anything. Well, you were probably a million miles away, but anyway. But you're just sitting there, right? And somebody hits the back of your car, and it's like, are you responsible for that? No, of course not. You're responsible for your response, right? You're responsible. You're response-able. You are able to respond to that. And this is your opportunity, isn't it? To respond or to react. We are responsible for our actions after whatever happens, happens. And find the opportunity in it. And I don't know what that is, and you may never know what it is. The accident may have been an opportunity for the guy who hit you. 
to become conscious of his driving. I mean, who knows what the opportunity was? Maybe it is an opportunity for you. I remember years ago, I was, when I was a PTA president, um, one of the women uh, in, our, in our group, her husband was on his way to work, and he got hit in the back, just like that, hit in a red light. And the cops came, and the ambulance came, and he kind of said, no, 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 I'm okay, it's fine, I'm all right. And they insisted he go anyway just to be checked out because it was an accident and he was not at fault. And so he goes, and they were like, well, we just want to give you an x-ray. Well, we just want to take a little blood. And he was really hesitant because he felt fine. There's nothing wrong with him. It was like just a rear-end rear hit, collision, whatever. They convinced him to do it anyway. It turns out he has leukemia. Early, early, early stages, didn't even know it. He was perfectly healthy, didn't have a problem, didn't feel bad at all. And he was in the earliest stages of him. They, they addressed it, they fixed it, they cured, whatever. You don't know what the opportunity is. We never know what the opportunity is in any of these quote-unquote blindsided things, right? Any time something comes up and you're like, how can I be grateful for that? Well, there's an opportunity to sit in the mystery and say, I don't know what that is but there's something here, either for me or for the other person, for somebody in this whole entire situation, in the whole condition. There's, a, there's an opportunity. Being able to respond and not just react, right? To be able to respond with anything that happens to us as an opportunity. It, it, you know what it does? It seizes upon our own inner wisdom. And we all have it. We all have that. We are all, remember, individualized expressions of God, individualized. That wisdom which is God's is within us. We call upon that when these kinds of things happen. In our awareness, we can call upon our own inner wisdom. And then they become your, your words of wisdom, right? Then you're not... You're not trying to be somebody else, or you're not trying to emulate somebody else. It's your own inner wisdom. It is your own inner mystic that you call upon. Your own wisdom, your own affirmations. Not Emerson's or Eddie's or anybody else's, but it's, but it's you. You are alive and awake and aware. And so you bring your Christ consciousness to everything you do. Washing the dishes, like Brother Lawrence always talked about, right? Just the act of washing the dishes is a holy, sacred act. When you bring your whole attention to it, when you bring all of yourself into that present moment, everything we do is a meditation. Everything we do is a devotion. Everything we do is an awareness of the God around us, always. God is our good. Good is our God, right? So everything, everything around us is the good of God. When we look at it with our own awareness, when we look at it from our higher consciousness, from our Christ consciousness, from our inner mystic, from the highest sense of self that we are, the most authentic self you're going to be is when you allow the full expression of spirit to just flow through you into the world. Ernest Holmes said this. He said, the, the awakened oneself is to be healed, made prosperous, happy, and satisfied, to be made every whit whole, to be complete 
as we were intended to be. God is a God of the living and not of the dead. He sees and knows only perfection and completion, happiness and satisfaction. When we shall think of ourselves as God knows us, then complete salvation will come to us. That's our path. That is our path. Complete emancipation from any discord that we have created in our human minds. We are an individualized expression of the divine. We are alive, awake, and aware. Wear it well. Thank you.